Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to episode number 61 of Date Yourself Radio. My name is Veronica Grant and I am your host here and we are going to get started right away with this question. Are you really living? Are you really living or are you just getting by? Do you go from one thing on your schedule to the next and do you just count down the days until the weekend with your coworkers? And do you live on autopilot week after week, month after month, just doing the same thing over and over again, and your dating stories or the men that you're dating, even though you may not like them, are the only thing that make your life interesting and the only things that you talk about with your friends? And what do you want to be known for? When you meet someone, when you go on a date with someone, what do you want your first impression to be? And exhausted, trying to do all the things I feel like I should be dating, so that's why I'm dating kind of woman? Or a woman who is strong, yet open and feminine. Someone who knows who she is and her boundaries, yet is also open to new ideas and exploring and adventure. Look, I know that if you're listening, there's a really good chance that you are a woman that has it all. A good job, decent family life, and good friends. Everything seems fine on the surface, but there's that one thing missing. A great relationship. And you've read the books, you've done the courses, and you've done just about everything possible, but you keep ending up with these losers and you're left wondering, is it just me? Maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to lower my standards. Or maybe I just need to get over it. I believe there is a huge group of women out there, and I'm guessing many of you are listening to this very episode, who are single and don't know why. And I have a little secret for you. The secret to finding a good man is discovering a good life. And I know what you're thinking. Well, I already have a good life. You've checked off all the boxes. But if you take a good look at your life, there might be some things that that you might want to change. And that's when I invite you to go back to the first question I asked at the top of the show. Are you really living? 
Or are you waiting for a relationship and then you can have the life that you want and then you can feel happy and then you can feel loved and then you can feel fulfilled. My goal for you listening and for all my clients and really every woman on this planet is that your life is so amazing and incredible and filled with deep connection with yourself and it's anxiety free and you feel calm and peace and excited for the day every day when you wake up and that you're confident and that you have a fulfilling job and friends and that a meaningful relationship is literally the icing on the cake. And I call that the love life connection. Falling in love with yourself and your life is the only way to find lasting love with someone else. And if you don't have love now or you've never had a healthy relationship, it means the life part of the equation still needs some work. So that's what I do and that's why I'm here today talking to you about this. And I want you to know that my coaching when I work with one-on-one clients, it's powerful and it changes their life and it can change your life too. The transformations my clients have gone through are just simply unbelievable. They're feeling less anxious, have a greater sense of purpose in who they are and in their lives. They know who they are and what they want, and they feel more confident and excited every single morning when they wake up. And yes, they're also confidently leaving toxic relationships, getting out of bad dating patterns, meeting higher quality men, having more fun dating, and getting into great relationships. And I want you to have that too. And the crazy thing is, with my clients in our sessions, we don't actually talk about dating that much. And that's because better dating and relationships is simply a byproduct of a happier life. One of my favorite shows that I talk about all the time is Friday Night Lights. And in one of the episodes, Coach Taylor tells his team that success isn't the goal. It's a byproduct of the work. And it's the same thing here. A relationship isn't the goal, but it is a byproduct of the work we do in my private coaching sessions. So I don't know if I'm the right coach for you listening, but I'm committed to serving women who've looked at themselves in the mirror after a bad breakup or won too many bad dates and are asking themselves, what the hell do I do next? Women who are ready for something big to change in their life, they're done with feeling crappy every day, feeling alone, or just keeping themselves busy to avoid feeling the feels. It's exhausting. It's not that feeling fulfilling. It feels flat, and it's also a ticking time bomb. And I know because I've been there. And that's why I've opened up a few spots to work with you one-on-one. And if the excuses or the fears start coming up, I want you to ask yourself, what's really holding you back? How do you rank your worthiness on a scale of one to 10? Do you believe you're not good enough or the effort isn't worth it or that you have to earn it or that it has to be hard, that love has to be hard? Do you feel like you have, you're not enough or that you'll never be enough? Well, let me tell you something. When you want this bad enough, when you want this good life bad enough, when you want happier and more fulfilling relationships and love enough, time and money start coming to you in incredible ways. And you can't just say, oh, that sounds nice. That's cool. No, because then coaching isn't going to work for you. But if you want this and you're ready to make an investment in yourself of time and money and energy, then you're the kind of client that I want. And if that's not you, that's totally cool. I hope you please keep enjoying this podcast and my blog and everything else that I put out on the internet to support you because I'll be here when you're ready. 
But if you're ready right now to make this commitment to yourself and you're so done with what you've been doing, then I would love for you to apply to work with me one-on-one. So if you're feeling called to this, if something is tugging at your heartstrings, I want you to head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching, and there you'll see an application and just send it over to me. From there, we'll have a dating clarity session to see if we're a good fit together. I only have a few spots available now because I'm moving and all that kind of fun stuff. And I don't really take that many clients on at once because I really want to be able to support you as much as I possibly can so you get truly a transformative, life-changing experience. So if you're at that point in your life where you're ready for this, you're ready for some serious shifts, again, go to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to submit your application. And I really can't wait to hear from you. Okay, and so now we're on to the incredible guest we have today. I am so excited to have her. And in the coaching world, you could say she's kind of a BFD. And you're not sure what, if you're not sure what BFD means, just Google Joe Biden BFD and you'll see what it is. All right. So my guest today, she is hailed by Elle Magazine as a self-help guru. Julie Parker is the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, where she passionately trains and supports heart-centered people to bring their talents into the world as life coaches. As the editor-in-chief of Inspired Coach Magazine, a published author and in-demand speaker, Julie has inspired thousands of people on stages all over the world, and now she's here to talk to us on Date Yourself Radio. We dive into a lot of amazing topics today, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. So as you're listening in, I want you to consider this. Do you ever wonder if you need counseling or coaching to uplevel your life and not really sure what the difference is or what would be best for you? Do you have a strong network of female friends to support you that uplift you and that are inspiring to you? Are you afraid of what other people think of you so much that it causes paralysis and you don't go after what you want, whether in love or in life? Are you confident in work, but then completely lose it in relationships? And do you constantly wonder and agonize if you'll ever meet him? So keep these questions in mind as we listen in and let's get right to my interview with Julie. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And I've got Julie Parker with me today. Hey, Julie, how are you? I'm so well. Thank you, Veronica. And thank you for having me on your great show. Uh, I am so excited to to have you. And I've got so many questions that I hope you have time to dive into at least most of them. Um, but before we get there, I would love for you to share with the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world right now. Well, I'm the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, and we train heart-centered people to bring their gifts of love and giving and connection and service into the world as life coaches. And we have students from all over the world. It's a six-month Uh, flagship online course. But we also have uh, meetups as part of that as well. So I'm very blessed and get to travel the world and have those in different places, New York, San Francisco, Bali, Paris, Sydney, which is really lovely. And I came into that after 17 years in the coaching industry this year. So I've kind of been around in the personal development world for a really long time. And I still love it. And I'm still happy to be here. Yeah. And and how did you get into coaching? Because I know you came from the counseling and social work world. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I did. And when I first trained to be a coach 17 years ago, it was really an industry that was in its infancy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't quite a baby, but it was definitely at the early cusp. And Mm -hmm. really, I came to it because I was searching and I started to become more open to a new career or a new way of working with people. I had been working with really, really acutely ill young people for a very long time. They had severe mental health problems, Mm -hmm. were experiencing things such as domestic violence, gang violence, teen pregnancy, drug addiction, in and out of uh, jail. And I absolutely loved that work. But towards the end, I don't think it loved me very much. Mm -hmm. I started to become quite burnt out, really. And I think I caught myself before I fully got there. But I definitely know that I was on the way. And I I knew that I always wanted to work with people. I didn't want to do anything but work with people. They were my passion. And I knew that I had great skills, but I wanted to try and find a new way that was more forward thinking and really working with people who were more well, but wanting to take their life to the next level. And that's when I found coaching and there's been no turning back since. That's, um, that's amazing. I, I love that story. And I'm just kind of curious. So I know when you were doing counseling, you're obviously working with people who were, um, you know, had some mental illness. Um, but I just find there to be a lot of confusion or, and maybe gray area, but maybe there's not really a gray area between like, what's the difference between counseling and, and coaching? And I guess in this perspective, it's from a relatively, from the perspective of like a relatively healthy person, um, you know, because I just have a lot of clients who have just said, oh, this um, has been so much more helpful than um, all of my years of therapy, or I have a lot of friends mm-hmm. who go to therapy and like, it's helpful, but it's not really the umph they're looking for. And so as someone who's now, you know, been in both industries, I'm just kind of curious if you can just tell us like what, not what the pros and cons are, but like, what do each of the different modalities of healing do and what do they not do? Yeah, well, this is a really good question and there's no doubt that there can be confusion amongst people about both. And that's really understandable because there is a grey area sometimes, not all Mm -hmm. the time, but Mm -hmm. sometimes with certain clients there can be a grey area. And there's a a simple way to explain it and a really complex way, but I'm (laughs) going to to go the simple way, Veronica, for the the purposes of bite-sized podcasting. Uh, Really, when it comes to counselling, That is a process that helps somebody understand the emotional, psychological, sometimes even physical difficulties and pain that they're experiencing. And it often involves needing to take a a lot of in-depth look back at patterns in their life, childhood experiences, uh, maybe repeating things that they've done in relationships that they're just not aware of that have led them to a particular point in time in their life. Now, it's important to say that that particular time does not necessarily mean that they need to be experiencing a mental illness, Mm -hmm. such as an eating disorder or bipolar or an extreme anxiety disorder, but it does mean that they're not functioning very well. They're at a point in time where they they need that talking 
uh, openness, emotional release to be able to engage with somebody to really work out what's going on with them. And this might mean that they're not terribly ready to be in action to move forward with something. They, they might not quite be there yet. They need to process and heal first before they can then start to, to take steps forward to change in their life. There's some healing and process that needs to happen rather than just moving on. Mm. Now, when it comes to coaching, usually, yes, as you said, most of the time you're dealing with somebody that does not have a mental illness of some kind. There are exceptions to that and they do exist. And you're also dealing with somebody who is not uh, in such pain and needing to process or heal things so deeply that they require that sort of backwards look at and when I say backwards, I mean just looking back, not backwards as in bad, mm-hmm. uh, looking back at those times of their life. This is a person who is ready to shift. They're ready to change. They don't want to look back. They they just want to look forward. They know that they've got some things that they need to address, but they're not causing them such huge distress that their whole life feels like it's crumbling and or they're not able to function very well. They want to move forward. They want to set goals. They want things to be different in their life. They want to achieve some things and that's coaching. That's walking side by side with somebody to help them move forward. Both modalities have enormous merit for the right person at the right time because I'm sure that many coaches would know you cannot successfully coach someone who is needing that intensive healing and emotional support because they're just unable to move forward because they're in such pain that they need to process that first. And vice versa, you can be counselling someone who is not ready to set really forward-moving goals and actions for themselves because they need to undertake that more gentle healing and just be where they are right now first. I love that. Thank you so much for for um, just clarifying that. And I think that'll be really helpful for a lot of people listening, um, you know, knowing that they want something different in their life and not sure which route is best for them. Mm. So you, um, so you had a very successful coaching business. And I know you had such a long wait list that you kind of trans um, morphed it into a coaching training academy, the beautiful you coaching academy. And you have this line in your bio that I just love. Um, and also just once people will go to your website, and they just see your brand and the pictures, like, I think it'll even pop even more. But I love this part, you say I was a pink cardigan wearing tornado who had no hesitation and staring a suit in the eyes saying, can we add another zero to that? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, just as a I mean, just I mean, and all situations, I mean, in, in business and, you know, telling people what how much you charge or asking for that promotion or whatever that thing that you might, you know, cringe at asking. I'm just kind of curious, did you always have that level of confidence or was it something you had to to build? And if so, what did what did you do? You know, I know that this might sound like a, a somewhat strange thing to say, and I know that it's in many cases with a lot of women, not usually the norm. Mm -hmm. But I actually genuinely feel, Veronica, as though I have always had 
a really wonderful level of confidence for most of my life. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, apart from a period of time of about three years in my early 30s when I was in the process of a long-term relationship breaking up. Mm -hmm. And it was really only during that period of time in my life that I felt my confidence really dipped. But I was very blessed to be raised in a multi-generational family by a strong mother and uh, who was a single parent and also my grandmother. And they always just really believed in me and my sister and just encouraged me to go for my dreams and whatever I wanted and work hard and make it happen. And I, I feel very blessed, I think, that that gave me an enormous level of confidence and that even when I was a social worker before I found what I consider to be my life's passion, which is coaching now and training coaches, I loved what I did. Every day I got up and I went to a job that I passionately loved. And I think that that is an enormous confidence boost for any person. When you know that you are doing something that you love, that you're good at it, and you are also contributing to the world in some way. You know, that makes you feel really good as a person. And I know that it did me. And I think that that's just something that I've carried through. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that my confidence doesn't wobble. It does. I mean, of course it does. You know, I remember the night before I pressed live on the Academy training website, I was almost on the bathroom floor crying, you know, just what are you doing? You can't do this. You don't come from a corporate background. Nobody's going to do this. Well, you know, come on, Julie, all of those sorts of things. But then you you get your ego under control and you pull yourself together and you go, no, I'm going to have a crack. You know, I, I'm going to try. If it falls on its face, it falls on its face. And, you know, I was lucky that it didn't. Well, not lucky, but I was blessed that it didn't, but I certainly have wobbles with it. But most of my life, I feel it really as if I've been pretty blessed in the confidence stakes. I love that. And yeah, I will second that you're definitely very blessed <laughs> to have never had confidence. And I think that's, you know, if I had to boil everything down that, you know, my clients come from all sorts of different backgrounds and experiences, but it all almost always boils down to confidence at the at the end of the day. Um, and I and I just kind of wonder um, if there's something um, behind, you know, being raised by a really strong woman, and then also your grandmother was also in the house. Was there, I don't know, was there just something there with like this, um, just like this feminine power that you were raised with that you think you just got instilled with, and then you brought it out into the world? Or what do you think it was? Oh, it's definitely that mm -hmm. from from a family of origin perspective, having that there in my formative years is I don't think I can underestimate that now. And I have always seen that as something that I think has allowed me so many riches and amazing adventures and explorations in my life with other women. You know, I have beautiful female friendships uh, such a wonderful relationship with my female stepdaughter. Uh, you know, now this doesn't mean that I haven't had issues with women. I have. And over our years, I know we all sometimes lose friendships and 
things like that happen and those things have happened to me too and I've had difficulties with women in workplaces and as so many of us sometimes can but overall I just I just love women and I love connecting with them and you know feminine empowerment and the rising of the divine feminine which is happening throughout the world right now is something that's really very important to me and I also think that it that confidence thing, Veronica, if I can share with everyone, Mm -hmm. just something that may help them is when I think about that confidence and how I've helped develop that within myself, one of the things, and I got this particularly from my grandmother, that she really instilled in me was to not worry about what other people thought of me. She said, you can't control what other people think of you. And as soon as you start to worry about that and be concerned about that and compare yourself to other women and other people, you're giving up your control. You are allowing them to have more control and say and respect in your life than you do. And that's giving up your power. And that was a very, very... uh, formative and amazing lesson for me to learn because while I do care about what people who are important to me think, I really have gone through life going, well, I don't care if you don't resonate with my very pink and feminine brand. (laughs) You know, that just means that you're not for me. And I don't care if, you know, you don't resonate with how I write which can be with quite feminine and spiritual overtones and lots of thought and depth and feeling. If that doesn't resonate with you, I'm okay with that because that's me. And I think the more that we can really just give that up because it's such a dis-ease of so many women, people-pleasing, the more we can do that, the more we are able to stand in our own power and the more our confidence grows. Oh my gosh, I I love that and so true. And you know, this totally also is it's it's like in dating too. Um, you know, so many women in the date yourself community are so concerned. It's almost paralyzing, or it is paralyzing, about what the person across the table thinks of them, or what people think when they see their dating profile, or you know, thinking that oh, I can just make him happy and please him, and then he won't ever leave me. And it just it's a, um, you know, this seems to be I've been doing a lot of interviews today, I tend to book them all on the same day. And this just seems to be this overriding theme throughout the, all of the interviews is that, you know, trying to please people is an uphill battle, or to get people to like everyone to like you is an uphill battle. And it's, and it's really a battle you can never, you can never win. Oh, yeah, it's a total lose, lose. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's never going to have a, a good outcome. Uh, and particularly for, you know, you as a person, but it's also about the other people as well because when you try to turn yourself into something that you're not, that also does a disservice to them too Mm -hmm. because we all want to take people at face value, don't we, as much as we can and we want to believe what people say to us and we want to believe them when they say this is how I'm feeling. We don't necessarily want to have to think, well, maybe that's not right and maybe this isn't the actual reality of what's right in front of me. Uh, We want that to be the case. We want to believe 
that people are being really genuine. And so it does a disservice to other people as well when we aren't truthful about who we are and how we really feel and what we really want if we're trying to make ourselves into being somebody that we're not to please someone else. And ultimately, in the end, we can't control what they think anyway. And so just being us, who we are as we are, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily easy all the time, particularly if we're struggling or have struggled with that, it's so, it's just in the long run, while it may feel a little bit uncomfortable and you might think, well, but nobody's going to accept me this way, they will. But more importantly, you'll accept you. Mm-hmm. And and that's when you start to radiate this energy, and I think that's so powerful for women. Of, I'm okay with myself. This is me. This is who I am. And you know, I speak this, Veronica, and I think sometimes this can be really important for women who are dating. You know, I'm a plus size woman. You know, you're not everyone. You're not listening to somebody who's six foot tall and has the ideal Western. Uh, picture of body image and Victoria's secret model here. You know, I'm a plus size lady and I have been pretty much for a significant portion of almost my whole life since I was a teen. I've always been curvy and plus size. And so it's not necessarily thinking to yourself either, oh, but you have to look a certain way or earn a certain amount of money or be able to afford certain clothes or have a particularly extroverted type of personality. They're all just excuses and that's all just our ego trying to say you've got to be perfect or do those things to get the admiration or the love that you deserve. It's not true at all. You've got to give it to yourself first as you are and then someone and other people will will meet you right where you're meant to be. Yeah, exactly. And and the people who won't, you know, it's not worth your time, um, you know, Mm-mm. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just not worth it. Um, I definitely want to talk. Um, well, I want to, I want to talk about relationships and dating in a moment, but I want to circle back to the, um, to female friendships, um, just for a, a moment. Um, because this is actually something that comes up a lot in the date yourself community. So most of the women, when they first, um, you know, join the community, whether it's through like being a client or just being a part of the Facebook group and just the podcast world, um, are brand new to either new ish or brand new totally to personal development. And they start going through this growth and transformation. And then they find a lot of their friendships start to feel a little bit rocky. And I think a big reason is because their female friendships were really just based on the connection of hating dating and just, you know, having a bitch and moan fest with, um, with each other. And then they start to have a more positive outlook and, um, and, and then they start to just feel like, oh my gosh, some of these friendships are ending and they're, they struggle to find, um, you know, other people that they connect with on a, on a soul to soul level. So I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, I don't know if you if you ever went through that, but I'm sure a lot of your clients who, you know, went through that kind of growth and transformation, like what, you know, what advice did you give to them? Or what would you say to a woman who's beginning to feel like she doesn't really connect with her circle of friends anymore? Mm. Well, you know, having had not that exact experience that you described there, but something 
not dissimilar. And I've certainly seen other women have it as well. One of the first things that I would say to everybody is to understand that sometimes relationships in our life, in fact, many times actually have a time limit. Mm -hmm. They have a shelf life, but so often we don't want to admit that or look at that or recognize that. But there are instances where, for example, as a woman in our life, someone is really only meant to be in our friendship circle when we're wild and crazy in our late teens and up into our mid, you know, they're mm. our party, they're our party friends. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we may work with someone and develop a really close working relationship with them and that be fantastic, but it not continue beyond work. And when we move on to some other type of work, that ends as well. And sometimes even long-term friendships can end when people do things such as get married and have children, but the other female friend maybe doesn't get married and she doesn't have children and so she's still single and dating and so their worlds just sort of part in some way. And I've seen that happen as well. And it can be really sad and it can be quite devastating actually, particularly if you've known someone for a long time. But it's just the reality that that friendship has run its course, mm -hmm. you know, just like many other relationships. And I think that's actually the first thing that I would encourage people to do is actually just step back a little bit and ask yourself, has this friendship maybe run its course in my life? Were this person and I meant to be together for a certain period of time, but now it feels like we've shifted, we've changed, and maybe it's time to either alter the way that we connect with each other or actually part ways altogether, rather than seeing it as a disaster or a huge issue or something that you've got to dramatically cling onto or maybe even like hash it out or have a fight mm -hmm. or something of those kinds. You know, it could just simply be that that friendship is no longer aligned with who you are and where you're going. And if you've experienced significant personal shifts or change, then it's highly likely that that actually may be the case. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's funny, I never thought about it in that way. But because I, I tell my clients all the time, well, you know, relationships have an expiration date. Um, and I'm in the context of romantic relationships, and it doesn't mean it was a failure or is a bad relationship, or you're a bad person, or they're a bad person. It's just simply there's an expiration date. And yep. that that date passed. Um, mm. I, I love that. And I just think it's so important to, um, you know, let go of things or people that aren't serving you anymore. So you have more space for the people that, um, you know, that do serve you in, in a way that's um, empowering to you. Because I find a lot of women in um, who, are, who are dating feel very isolated. And a reason is because you know, men are the enemy, like, oh, men are this or men are that, or they're not emotionally available. And then women are seen as the competition. Um, and so it can just feel, you know, very, very isolating. And so it's like, okay, yeah. if men are the women or men are the enemies and, and women are competition, you know, then who do you have left? And um, so I just think creating space to have those, you know, those really soul, soul to soul level friendships is, is, is so important. Most definitely. So um, 
I want to switch gears a little bit. So we were talking a little bit um, offline before we started recording, and you mentioned that you got married when you were almost 37. Is that correct? That's correct. So I would love to hear a little bit about what dating was like for you and what you learned and if you had a dating pattern. Um, And, you know, a lot of the women in this community, um, they're in 30s, 40s, 50s, um, and many are you know, had never been married, some are, um, you know, divorced, but either way, and you knew, you definitely weren't someone who just found their soulmate at, you know, age 15 or whatever, and then, and then never really <laughs> dated. So I would just love to hear you talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I must admit that I was somewhat late to the dating game. Mm-hmm. I was not, I was not one of those young girls that was really going out with guys in high school, although, here in Australia, where I'm from, that we do things a little bit differently than the US in that. You know, like I know that in some instances it's quite common for teenagers to date each other and, and go out, and it's not that common here in Australia. Mm-hmm. It's much more common for a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship to form out of friendship circles, and it's more usual that young people go out in groups together. It's not really usual. I think it may be becoming more so now, but at the high school age, it's not really usual that guys and girls spend a lot of one-on-one time together. And that certainly wasn't the case for me because I grew up in a country area, small country high school. You know, if I'd wanted to go out with someone one-on-one in that circumstance, well, I wouldn't have been able to get anywhere. You know, I would have absolutely had to have been driven by a parent and they so would they, and it would have been quite challenging. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different here and then it, it things shifted and changed at college and uni but I must admit that I really never really had a serious relationship until I was in my late 20s and uh, that first relationship where that occurred for me I fell really hard and I was in a circumstance where there is no doubt now when I look back at that time, and this is that three-year gap where I lost my confidence, Mm. uh, I was certainly a great deal more invested in that relationship than he was. And for any woman that's listening that can relate to that, you will know how confidence eroding that is. And there's no question that during that one period of time in my life, there was definitely some people pleasing coming up and I was bending over backwards there to try and really do everything to please him. But really, if I'm being honest with myself now, what I was doing was everything I could to hold on to him. Uh, Not really realising that probably about 12 months in, he'd exited Uh, but was still there and didn't know how to really exit. (laughs) And so that relationship really eroded my confidence and there's no doubt that in my early 30s after that ended, you know, I had a period of time of needing to seek some counselling and, you know, I was definitely depressed and down on myself about that and it took me a little while to, you know, get my mojo back and I was very, very grateful in that period of time to have a lot of supportive girlfriends around me and they were really part of my healing process there. And it was through one of those girlfriends that at 
the age of, it must have been about 34, that I met my now husband. And I was so glad, and we've both spoken about this before because he's been married before. I'm so glad that I met him at the time that I did when I had the old Jules back because if we'd even met 12 months before or 18 months before then, I'm I think we would have been okay, but I think we probably would have had a lot more rockiness in those early stages because we hadn't really done our own healing that we needed to. And so I was very grateful to meet him at that time. But again, I also think that's an energy thing when you're ready for that right person and they're ready for you, then something just clicks around that. So Dating for me, Veronica, has been a bit of a mixed bag of lollies or, as you would say, a a mixed bag of candy. Um, It it definitely hasn't been all smooth sailing and I don't mind admitting that there was certainly a period of time there where I really did wonder whether he was coming. I was like, hello, where are you? Like I've been waiting for a while now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I did start to feel like that but, you know, being in counselling at that time really helped me to see, and she was a wonderful therapist, that I needed to stop thinking about that and I needed to stop asking that silly question and I actually needed to just really focus on, well, where am I and how can I work on me right now to just first of all be whole and healthy and happy again and then start thinking about something like that but not before. Oh yeah, I, I love that. So I want to um, I want to break this down a a little bit. So your your first relationship when you were when you were twenty seven, um, did you ever have you know before then? I don't know if you were um, like dating or interested, but nothing was was going on. I'm just wondering if you felt like cause, I mean you called yourself a late bloomer. So um, I'm just kind of wondering like where the um, Let's see. I'm I'm trying to ask two questions at once. So let's just start with, with, with one question. Um, Why do you think um, women who are really confident and, you know, have a lot going on for their career, um, you know, tend to, to lose it all in a relationship? Ooh, what a good question. (laughs) Wow. I don't know if there's an answer, but it it happens. Yeah. It happens for me. Oh yeah. All my clients. Mm -hmm. Like it happens. Yeah. Well, part of it could be to do with the fact that they've been so invested in another part of their life, which I certainly was and was Mm -hmm. very happy with that, Mm -hmm. that they don't really know how to balance these things out. And I was definitely a late bloomer. Like, you know, throughout my 20s, I definitely dated and I saw a few guys and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, but nothing that, you know, really lasted any more than a few months. Like I just... Mm -hmm. And I was, sometimes I was not okay with that and I would go, hang on a second here, something's not right. And then other times I I just thought to myself, no, it's okay. I just, I'm not feeling it. I just haven't really met that that one. And then when I did meet that one in my late 20s, there's no doubt that it was lovely for, you know, a good 12 months, but then it wasn't lovely. Mm-hmm. And you know, but I got myself tangled up in thoughts of this is the one, we are going to get married and have children and this is it. And then when that didn't eventuate, you know, I felt like 
my life plan was sort of crumbling before my eyes, even though it obviously wasn't meant to be. But I think that that's, that's the thing that's coming up for me, Veronica, is that maybe because we've not at an, a younger age maybe had experiences of trying to live our lives working with both of those things in a long-term perspective that when it does happen, we just lose ourselves yeah. and get lost in that rush of romance and gorgeousness and fabulousness in the initial stages yeah. without actually realising, well, there, I, I need to also be focused on other things here, but it becomes intoxicating yeah. and you just get lost. Yeah. I think a lot of it is also, um, in some ways, it's control, because when you're in business or when you're, um, you know, have a corporate job, you in some ways know how to succeed, right? Like you know, okay, I can do X, Y, Z, and I'll succeed at my job, and then you know, I'll just keep moving up the corporate ladder, or my business will grow. Um, but when you bring someone else into the mix, we, at least for me, I found like I wanted to. Have control over that person, and basically meaning like I wanted them to like me and be in the relationship that I wanted. Um, and then mm-hmm. when I felt like I didn't have that control because I can't control what anyone else does, I can only control what I do. I think that for me, that's when my confidence um, would just completely get shattered in a relationship because I just I felt like I was out of control essentially. That makes total sense. And now that you say that, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of want to go back to, um, you know, you said when you were in counseling after this relationship ended, um, that you had this moment of like, will I meet him? Where are you? Um, so I'm kind of curious to hear a little bit about, you know, what that was like for you and then how you, um, how you pulled yourself out of that space. Hmm. Well, let me tell you something, Veronica, it was definitely more than a moment. Okay. It was most definitely more than a moment. I think I probably would have said some version or asked myself some version of that question probably over a hundred times and turned on myself and thought there must be something, (coughs) excuse me, there must be something wrong with you, you're doing it all wrong, Uh, you've stuffed this up, you're running out of time, all of those terribly negative things that started to come into my head. And really, I think it was a combination of things that helped me get out of it. But the first and foremost one was just stopping externalizing and stopping thinking about where he was and why he wasn't there and all of that sort of thing. And instead, just focusing on really healing myself and not beginning to really become ingrained in my thoughts around the fact that there was supposedly something wrong with me, which obviously there wasn't. There isn't anything wrong with any of us when it comes to, you know, a relationship just not working out uh, for many different reasons. And so really focusing on that helped enormously. And so there was counselling. I read an extraordinary number of self-help and personal development books, lots of books around feminine empowerment, um, being happy and single. Uh, I also read a lot of books around anger because I had a lot of anger towards him 
for that relationship not working out and him not being honest with me for such a long period of time that he wanted to leave but never did. And I was also angry with myself because I had not been honest with myself because really if I had been, I would have known that he really wasn't there for such a long period of time, but I refused to see it. And so a lot of books, um, spending time with really supportive and amazing girlfriends, and I will admit that most of them were single too. and But I don't feel as though we got ourselves into a pity club or a pity mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. There were also lots of other things going on at our life at that time. And I'll also mention something else which seems like it's quite random, but in fact I don't think it is, and that is I started to take dance classes mm. at this time. And... I started to, it was always something that I'd wanted to do, but I'd never done it uh, when I was younger. I just never really had the opportunity. And I really wanted to learn how to dance and I loved music and taking up dance classes was a huge healing part of my journey there. It was amazing exercise. I met really beautiful people, both female and male. Um, I started going out more because I'd sort of stopped doing that. I'd become quite insular to go out to dances on Fridays and Saturday nights. It was um, swing dancing, so sort of like dancing to old-fashioned Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, Mm -hmm. things like that, and I loved it. It was so amazing, and I was quite good at it. So it helped, again, it helped build my confidence in something else, another area that had nothing to do with uh, romance or men or anything like that. And it was something that I could really focus on and love and enjoy. And that was actually a really huge part of my healing journey there. I found it really helpful and it gave me a passion and something to really invest my heart and time into. I love that you mentioned that. And it's funny, a lot of my clients take dance lessons. Mm. It's so Mm. interesting. And um, one of my, oh, shoot, one of my friends, um, we were actually talking about feminine masculine dynamic, and she was taking tango lessons. And she said tango is where she learned how to be like in the feminine essence. Um, Yeah, because you really have to just release and let go and let the the guy like twirl you around and do whatever else you do in in tango and um, yeah such a beautiful metaphor I think of the feminine masculine uh, dynamic most definitely I have only ever taken a few tango lessons in my life I'm not an expert I'm not an expert at all either (laughs) but it was glorious like yeah. intense really intense yeah. and really wonderful and your friend is completely right you know the yeah. dance of the tango for the woman is one of total surrender yeah. the man is in control mm-hmm. he is completely in control but in control in such a way where he is adoring you mm-hmm. so it's not i'm in control to dominate you mm-hmm. It is, I am in control of helping you see how magnificent you are. 
it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful dance. Oh, it's making me want to go back, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Even just talking about it, I'm like, oh, tango. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. There's this place near me that that does tango like on, I don't know, Tuesday nights or something. So maybe I'll have to... Oh, we should go. go. I know, I know. Well, Stevie's, we're actually, Stevie and I are long distance for the next two months. Um, Stevie's my fiance. So I'll have to, I guess I can just go solo and yes. then, and then. Perfect. Just, yeah. Cause Stevie wouldn't dance anyway. So he doesn't know how to dance. So I needed someone who knows how, what they're doing anyway. So <laughs> it would, it would work out. Um, okay. So l- tell us a little bit then, like how you met your husband, like, or what else you had to go through to be, because um, I really do believe that. I think you were right. Like, you were so glad you met your husband when you did. And, you know, I felt like I met Stevie later in, I mean, I did not meet Stevie late in life. I mean, I met him when we were 27. We're 30 now. No, yes. Am I 30? No, I'm 31. And <laughs> I just had a birthday. Um, and we're we're getting married later this year. And so, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, it's still pretty young. But for a lot of my friends, like I felt like I was, you know, always the single one. And I'm like a lot of my other friends are already married, plenty already have kids. And, um, and, and so, um, and, and, and there was so many times in my 20s where I just, I really wish like, why isn't he here? Like, why haven't I met him? Kind of that same, I guess, period of time that that you had, but I am so glad now looking back that I met Stevie when I did, because just like you said, like had I met Stevie even six months earlier, I'm not even, I think it would have been a missed opportunity had we met Mm. earlier because I would not, I was just not in the place where I needed to be. Um, Like basically the universe was still cooking me. (laughs) Um, So I'm just kind of curious to just know if you had, you know, to do anything or any other transformation that you went through before you met your husband. And then I always love to hear how we met stories um, (laughs) on the podcast. Yeah, I think everything that I described before was probably enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, that was taking place over about a year and a half. And so it was, it didn't happen quickly. It was a, it was a long time of healing. And then we, interestingly enough, my husband and I met through a friend who, it it was a little bit sad to begin with, but it's all worked out in, in the end. My Girlfriend who I was living with at the time, we were sharing an apartment in a lovely beachside suburb of Melbourne and we loved living there. Mm -hmm. She met someone and became quite interested in him and a a little bit um, not unlike the situation with me, but she just found it out a lot earlier before a relationship began. I was a bit concerned for her because I felt that she was a great deal more invested in that in the dating than he was like he I had never met him but from what she was telling me I was a bit concerned that she was way more into him than he was her and anyway she came home one day and she said I have tickets to uh, this amazing event it's the I'm not sure whether many of your audience will have heard of it it was the Commonwealth Games Mm -hmm. which is a a a very, very large international sporting event, not unlike the Olympics, not as big as the Olympics, but certainly certainly very large, you know, big opening ceremonies. They have them in Canada, London, and it just happened to be 
being held in Melbourne, which is, uh, you know, that my my hometown. Mm-hmm. And she had extra tickets to the closing ceremony of that event. And they were very hard to get hold of, very expensive. And she said, I've also given one to this man that she was dating and I've told him that he can bring a friend. And I think that she did that because she knew that maybe he wouldn't accept it if it was just the two of them. And so it was a little bit more of a, well, this is a group experience if you would like to come. Mm-hmm. And the friend that he bought on that day uh, is my now husband, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most unfortunately for the two of them, or fortunately, I think, because they've both gone on to have successful relationships with other people, uh, it was a little bit awkward because afterwards, he, the very next day, said to her, it was such a lovely experience. Thank you so much. I have realised that I don't want to continue seeing you. Mm-hmm. And so their relationship with where it was still in its very early stages just completely fell apart. And here I was <laughs> really wanting to see <laughs> his friend again. And so it took took a little while to get things sorted but eventually it was like you know an email exchange and it was like oh okay and uh, then we just sort of connected over email from there and agreed that you know we would like to meet up and have a drink and uh, we did and then just kept seeing one another from there so Yeah, it turned out in the end to be really great. But there was definitely a barrier there because I felt very protective of my friend and I I didn't – and she was upset that he didn't want to continue to see her. But in the end, God bless her, and she actually gave a reading at our wedding, which was very lovely. And my husband's friend, who was his best friend that came to that event, was his best man. Mm -hmm. And so everything, you know, turned out the way it was meant to turn out in the end. But eventually, God bless her for knowing me so well, she came to me and said, so what are we going to do about this business of – Glenn, who's my husband, she said, what are we going to do about that? She said, I guess we better do something because there was more fireworks between the two of you than there were in the closing ceremony. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, oh, you saw that, did you? (laughs) And she said, yes, I did see that through the fact that things weren't quite working out between, you know, this other guy and myself. I'm aware of that. And she said, so we better do something about it. <laughs> well, that sounds so, like a very good friend. I love, I yeah, love that. She was. Yeah. So, and she still is. <laughs> good, good. Did you, um, when you first met Glenn, was there a moment when you're like, okay, I've, this is it, or I've met him? Um, or did that develop after a period of time? I think it was a little bit 50-50. I I certainly know when I met him for the first time, I felt instantly comfortable with him. I thought he was absolutely lovely. I thought, wow, you're a really nice man. I I feel this connection. And that certainly continued throughout the rest of the night. We all went out afterwards and had a drink and kept talking and it felt really good. Uh, and then that developed from there. So, yeah, I know some people talk about, you know, that for them it was like, oh, 
I met him and I instantly knew that was the person I was going to marry. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but at the same time, I don't think I'm that sort of person. I'm sort of more the the type of person that gets that lovely feeling and wants to get to know someone. And I think particularly because, you know, my previous relationship had been one that had not ended well, particularly for me, I was cautious, you know, and, and not wanting to sort of completely lose my head about the whole thing again, um, because that had not boded well for me previously. (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. And when you, um, you know, once you got into the relationship with Glenn, and then of course, married, um, how did you navigate being going from single and, you know, having a very successful business to then, you know, balancing basically being a business owner and having a relationship? Well, when I first met Glenn, I was, I did have my coaching business, but it was not full time. Okay. I I was still working for other organizations. Sure. At, at that time, I was in the charity sector. And so I did a little bit of both and that was working fine. Mm-hmm. But then eventually, uh, you know, it was not long after we got married that I felt the pull to make the leap into full-time coaching Mm -hmm. and and doing that work. And I was very, very blessed that he was incredibly supportive about that. And I suppose the transition was relatively easy because I could, as a coach, I could work from home. It didn't involve us needing to take out an expensive lease on a you know, a shop or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And I'd built up the business over so many years. And so it was kind of working quite well and it was fairly smooth and easy. The bigger transition came though with the academy, which Mm -hmm. only Mm -hmm. started, we're in our fifth year this year. So when that started, that was a bit more significant because it involved a lot more work, a lot more hours. But then I think he would probably say that, he ended up being more than okay with that because the business has become so successful that a couple of years ago, uh, and it was sort of fortuitous in a way that he was no longer really enjoying the work that he was doing and I needed more help in the business. And I said, so, okay, I think it's now time for you to quit and you to come into the business if that's something that you feel that you would like. And he was like, where do I sign, boss? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so we now work in the business together and both at home together. And so we certainly see a lot of each other and it's great and it allows us a lot of flexibility but also you know, it does come with challenges around the fact that we're living and working together all in the same place. And interestingly enough, we're just actually looking at the moment to sort of for a slightly bigger house with, you know, more of a separate working area so Mm -hmm. we can, you know, have that balance a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. So, so you're okay. So then you're like navigating really just working with your, with your spouse. Like what are maybe just one or two, you know, things that you've really learned, um, or just pieces of advice you could share for other people who might be in a similar situation? Well, I think the first and most important one is that you have to remember that that person is your partner first, Mm. uh, in life. 
as opposed to business, you know, and that is, that's the thing that's, that's always got to be top of mind and come first. You know, there's no question about that. And I will be the first person to admit that this is something that I need to continue to work on constantly myself is around time. You know, when you own your own business and you know this, Veronica as well, it, it can just bleed, you know, into everything that you do. And (laughs) I've always, made a promise to myself that if I ever got to the point where I couldn't go out, you know, with my husband or even another loved one in my life on the weekend or I had to say no to a party or a birthday or a christening or something like that because I had to work, that that meant that something was really wrong. Mm -hmm. And so needing to just be mindful and aware of that too, I think is, is really important. And to know that, Yes, we're all trying to build and grow our businesses for those who have one, but you can't get back first birthdays and you can't get back the weddings of friends and you can't get back, you know, first time experiences and things like that. For example, my my stepdaughter today is getting her first car and it's a it's a work day here, but my husband is going out to the car yard to meet her there where she, because he wants to take a picture of her mm-hmm. with her first car and he wants to have, and it's like, yes, of course, go, yeah. you know, and that's what uh, having a business like this allows you to do. And so making sure that you avail yourself of those opportunities I think is important as well and not going, no, we can't do that. It's business hours, you know, it's like, no, you've got to be flexible, especially when you might find yourself at your desk on a Saturday afternoon because there's something urgent that needs your attention. So having that flexibility there and being open to that, I think is just so important in if you're in life and business with someone. Yeah, definitely. I, I love that. Um, so I want to let you go. I could sit here and ask you questions all day. So much (laughs) wisdom to, to share. Um, but I'm sure some people will want to just check you out and to check out the, the coaching Academy. So where can people find you on the internet? Yes, if you, you can find us the academy at beautiful you coaching academy dot com. That's that's where we live and work. So yeah, thank you so much, Veronica. It's been just a really lovely conversation. I don't get interviewed very often, actually, more about relationships and and dating and things Mm -hmm. like that. So this has actually been, uh, most people just want to dissect my brain about business. And so (laughs) this has been really nice. It's been a a lovely combination. It's so funny, because a lot of the things that I, you know, the, the, the mental things that I apply in business, it's like, it's the same thing in in dating, it's like, um, you know, not chasing the wrong guy, not chasing the wrong clients, <laughs> you know? Yes, you're so right. It, That's so true. Yeah, so many similarities to to what I teach. It's really funny. I could actually read a business book and then just plug in dating and it's like, the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny. Um, so the last question I always ask my guests is what is your favorite way to treat yourself? Hmm going to bed early with a book. Oh God, I need to do that more. I love that. <laughs> so yeah. simple. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could easily say the whole massage spa thing, but really uh, often I think that's just gold when I can do that. Yeah. yeah. I'm mm. totally, I'm totally there with you. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and sharing your amazing wisdom and um, just all the things you have to share with us. And thank you so much for what you're doing in the world. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Date Yourself Radio. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive free coaching with me in an upcoming episode or submit your question. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe to it in iTunes. I would also be so grateful if you left a review since that helps me share the power of dating yourself with more women. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be a part of my community at veronicagrant.com. Until next week, here's to treating yourself the way you want to be treated. Much love and happy dating. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.